Welcome to Relay Chain, a podcast produced by Parity Technologies, where we discuss all things substrates, polka dots, and Web3. Today on Relay Chain, we have Zoe Mechbach. And before we get started, um, we have an upcoming conference for Polkadot. It's called Polkadot Decoded on December 3rd. And we'll have talks by Gavin, uh, Rob Habermeyer, interviews by Laura Shin and Camilla Russo. The full program is at decoded.polkadot.network. Uh, it's completely free and it's for technical and non-technical audiences. So with that out of the way, we'll get to Zoe. Zoe is a Polkadot ambassador and interviewer. She's interviewed some awesome people like Yuta, our CEO, and me. Uh, but today we're flipping it around, and she's the guest, and I'm interviewing her. So welcome, Zoe. <laughs> Do you want to give a quick intro? Hi, Joe. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here today. Um, my name is Zoe. I'm a senior ambassador for Polkadot and a um, blockchain technology and cybersecurity advocate which means that I educate about the so-called Web3 and specifically in the cybersecurity area. I also lead customer success at a Silicon Valley-based startup called CryptoWork, where I help enterprises to onboard blockchain technology for data integrity. Awesome. Well, great to have you here. So you had quite a lot of international experience between Europe, the US, and America. And then you worked like two months at Google and then went full-time into crypto at CryptoWork. So how did your experience internationally influence your decision to get into crypto? Um, and then like, I mean, why did you just jump from like a, a job that most people like would totally covet at Google and jump ship and go full-time into uh, crypto? Yeah. Yeah, I have a um, quite diverse career background as well as educational background. Yeah, I actually started in supply chain management, um, uh, went into shiny society, studied Mandarin, then to international business, and now actually ended in cybersecurity, focusing on blockchain technology. And throughout these career steps, I also had the opportunity, as you said, to work internationally, um, starting in Berlin, in Germany, then actually moving to, to China and spending some time in Shanghai. Um, then Boston, and now ended up in Silicon Valley in San Francisco. So through through this yeah diverse journey, I had the opportunity to work for bigger corporations as well as small to medium sized startups, and to see actually a lot of different organizational style and um, how hierarchies are used in these in these organizations, and actually very important what type of impact you can make in your work. So this was. Um, very, very important for me to differentiate between the actual work you're doing and the impact you can create with the work you're doing. So after my international journey and having my master's degree in international business, it was, of course, as you said, a dream for me also to work for a big company like Google. So this was um, the entry point in Silicon Valley for me. However, I, I figured quite quickly that um, the work that I do did not completely fulfill me because I did not have this direct impact on my, on my daily work. And um, as I'm a person that I, yeah, I'm open to changes and I don't stick with things if I don't really um, do them with my heart, which is important for me, I decided to, to go into the startup scene in Silicon Valley and actually to switch then to the startup I'm currently working at, CryptoWork, where we provide um, or help bigger enterprises in general to onboard blockchain technology for their data integrity. 
How did you switch from business management into cybersecurity? That's like a big jump. It is It is a big jump. And it's actually started with, um, yeah, in, in the business school itself, um, where I figured that a lot of business students don't really have a general understanding about technologies or what's going on in the tech world. They are, they are getting afraid when they see code, yeah, and don't really know how to handle this. And this was for me something I, I thought we as business leaders in the business world have to at least understand technologies, have to be aware of new um, innovative technologies and maybe read a line of code or maybe even write some lines of code or at least not, not get afraid when you see um, code in front of you. So I started an initiative or actually a, um, a club on a business school called the Technology Club. Yeah, very simple, where I started to organize workshops um, in cooperation with IBM. Um, I also organized conferences, like a um, whole day tech conference, where we had speakers from IBM, MIT, Salesforce, as well as Google, to give um, educational talks about their work, what they're currently working on, um, as well as really hands-on workshops. Yeah, We organize Python coding workshops, uh, introductions to data science, Arduino robotics. So we, we work really with um, interesting and exciting things. And um, throughout this, this work, it um, I actually found my passion in this, in educating about these technologies. And then it was like a natural flow for me to say, okay, um, I want to move to, to San Francisco and continue my studies there in Silicon Valley, where I'm really at the heart um, of all the innovative technologies. So this was a, a natural flow. And then in San Francisco, my first apartment was in a so-called crypto community. So San Francisco is very well known for communities. Yeah, you have you live in in a big house with several people um, that maybe share yeah common values yeah in life and uh, this was this house was focused on uh, crypto so a lot of entrepreneurs were were living there that uh, worked on their own crypto or blockchain projects or they have maybe invested in crypto or just like very eager to learn about it so this was the yeah some of the values that, that combined us um, connected us to this community and this was then my intro to yeah the crypto world in silicon valley was that just a like sheer coincidence or did you choose that group of people because you were already interested in crypto? I mean, it was it was an opportunity or a, a place I found. Yeah, the, the house was, of course, very beautiful. And I liked the, the values that the house shared in terms of um, entrepreneurship and um, uniting people from or global innovators, yeah, people from around the world. So this was something for me I'm always very interested in when I go to a new place, having lived and worked in, in Asia, Europe, as well as in the United States to connect with people from there, but also with global um, uh, people. And this is what, what the house provided um, in this environment. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I was interested in crypto and blockchain before, but through this um, opportunity, it actually came out stronger. And is that something you noticed like when you were hosting all these conferences and events to get people from MIT and uh, Google and IBM and stuff to come give talks, a lot of them were talking about blockchain and crypto? So back in the in the technology club on business school, it was actually focused more on general technologies. Yeah, what is IBM doing with with Watson? Um, um, with MIT students, we really had uh, a hands-on workshop to build uh, robotics um, robots and have some some general coding workshops. Um, it was, of course, some some talks were also focused on blockchain, but um, the the initial start was like really educating about. Blockchain going deeper started uh, when I moved into uh, to Silicon Valley. Yeah, it's funny how like these coincidences can change the direction of your life so much. Mm -hmm. um, like before, 
I got into cycling a lot. I just ended up with a random roommate like via Craigslist uh, that used to be part of the team staff of uh, this team called Saturn Cycling, which is like this big old U.S. pro cycling team. And I was like kind of dabbling in it. And he was like really encouraging me just like, come on, keep doing more and more and more. Uh, And then I ended up like quitting my job to like move to Europe and pursue cycling professionally for a few years. And it's wow. yeah, it's just funny how like you live with somebody and they kind of influence you and um, can send you in a totally new direction. Yeah, yeah, but it's also super interesting and valuable these kind of experiences, right? I mean, um, experience different things in life and uh, specifically in the career because you always learn something. Doesn't matter in which area you work, which you can bring into the new area, right? And um, as you all know, currently, specifically in the blockchain um, space and environment, um, a lot of people from different backgrounds come together. And that's actually the beautiful thing also, because we discover something new um, and create um, a new movement also currently. Yeah. So, uh, well, it's great to have you full-time in crypto from uh, the, the evil <laughs> empire, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're a member of the Polkadot Ambassador Program, or a senior ambassador. Uh, so you probably actually know this better than I do. Like, what is the Polkadot Ambassador Program? Yeah, the Polkadot um, Ambassador Program is a um, global program that um, brings people together that are motivated to work um, on something big and to contribute to the Polkadot as well as Web3 ecosystem. So to become an ambassador, you want to bring um, your interests into contributing to the community. You're um, not just someone that follows, you're someone that actually proactively works on specific tasks. So just to give an overview, the the, um, ambassador program currently has over 420 ambassadors around the globe. So this is very impressive how how big the community um, is or how the community is growing which is very important, of course, for also the technology, right? Polkadot, um, such a strong and powerful and new innovative technology, um, which we can go also a bit into detail, but that needs such a strong community, yeah? That a community that supports and educates about it and explains about it. Like, let's say, like, uh, the group of people that really spreads the word. Of course, all the people that work on it, specifically you, Joe, but then there are people that are maybe not part of the core team. And these people are um, ambassadors because I, for example, don't work for Parity or Web3 or Polkadot directly. I'm an, a Polkadot senior ambassador um, on a volunteering basis. So this also shows how how fascinated I am by the technology and by the um, ecosystem that I do this on the side in my, in my free time. So the the program, as I said, has has this group of ambassadors, and also to mention, it's um, we have I think people from sixty eight different countries. Again, also shows this global spread, which is very important because again, the technology technology is something that needs to be or can be accessed globally, right? It shouldn't be um, localized, and um, just showing the 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 growth um, and uh, the size of our of our program. So how you can actually become an ambassador or what, what are some, some yeah, uh, tasks you can take on is like people from different backgrounds with different skills can um, join the ambassador program, but mainly we focus on people um, that have maybe technical um, skills and they can help develop or give technical support in some of our community chats answer specific questions. Maybe they have developed on Polkadot or working on their own project. Then are some people that uh, help to translate documents. Yeah, a lot of documentation, technical documentation, but also articles are written, and maybe they write their own articles in their own language because 
um, again, some people they want to join maybe don't speak um, English too well, and we have translations in Japanese, Chinese, Spanish. Yeah, we're a strong um, Latin American community also, which is uh, amazing to see yeah, from these different countries. There's also there are also people that join that provide um, graphic design skills, yeah, or web development. Also create impressive and amazing designs that can be used for posts and and other events. Community moderation. I mentioned it that uh, people can answer questions in our chats. So this is always strong led by the community because um, so many people are joining chats on a daily basis that of course the core team itself maybe cannot keep up. Um, specifically through these different time zones, right? And then it's beautiful to have a strong community where people um, learn from each other and then also answer questions from each other um, or between each other. And of course, also um, tasks you can do is the uh, take on online events. This is an area I'm very strong in and um, yeah, leading this in the, in the community area where I organize online events for the community, currently specifically fireside chats. So I, I like to host online events with speakers from Parity um, Technologies as well as the Web3 Foundation to actually yeah, have conversation, educational conversations and educate um, about Polkadot specifically, but also Kusama or Substrate and other topics that, um, yeah, that are currently going on in the ecosystem. Yeah, I think you're a, a good ambassador of the ambassador program, <laughs> not not just the Polkadot, but of the program itself. Yeah. Uh, so how, how did you get involved? Like, because you were in this community in San Francisco, uh, where we don't always have the biggest presence. And so how did you discover Polkadot and get into this ambassador community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, actually got um, recommended from, from a friend of mine, uh, Suraj. He's working for um, the Web3 Foundation and started a new job. I mean, we have worked together before, but actually on blo- blockchain educational events in Silicon Valley, yeah, where we have um, organized specific workshops as well as, again, events for enterprises to educate about use cases of blockchain, how to how to implement the technology. He then joined the Web3 um, Foundation and uh, made me aware of the Polkadot Messer program, said, hey, Zoe, I think you're a perfect fit, uh, specifically here in the, in the Silicon Valley area where... Um, we are not as strong yet, yeah, and we wanted to start local events. This was beginning of the year. Um, we actually had a conversation about this at um, a Stanford Blockchain Conference. Yeah, this was this was the beginning of this year when I think back. <laughs> um, this is impressive. But so, we, yeah, he, he told me about this, and this is where I met, where I also joined him then to the first um, meetup of Polkadot. was through the um, Stanford Blockchain Conference. Um, Alistair Rick then had a talk and um, um, gave a talk about Polkadot, and um, that was my first end contact with the Web3 Foundation community or the, the core people working on the technology, as well as some guys from, from Parity Technology were there too. And I was just fascinated, first of all, by by the people, yeah, the, how welcomed every, everyone was and uh, the, the content we talked about. Yeah, it was really um, learning about Polkadot. You get just um, very amazed by it, by the technology itself. Yeah, I mean, call it the, the blockchain of blockchains and really knowing, okay, there is, I mean, blockchain technology is around since 11 years, right? But uh, Polkadot is really the new movement um, going on in the, in the blockchain space. So this was something for me, Yes, I want to be part of this. You know, I want to be part of something big. And being an ambassador is uh, something I think that's, yeah, um, if it's a project I really 
support from my heart again. I do it also with my heart. And that's why uh, I found this a perfect fit and joined, joined the program beginning of this year. Yeah, uh, Polkadot's so complex. I mean, I think I'm still learning about it every day. Everyone, people who are making it are learning about it because it's just so of course. Uh, deeply complex. So if education is your passion, then you picked a very good <laughs> uh, protocol to get involved with because we have a lot of educating to do. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And it uh, it never ends, I would say, right? As you said, people in or developing the technology itself learn new because you do new um, research and development. But the tricky thing is how do you actually communicate this yeah, to to people? And that's why I like to to start um, educate with with basics of the technology and uh, break complex things down into into simple things. Yeah. So like since you joined at the beginning of this year, what kind of changes have you seen in the community during this time uh, besides our forced transition to online events? Mm -hmm. um, so you mean in from an investor perspective or the community itself? Uh, community. Community. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, I mean, the, the community has grown a lot, right? Um, I think every day, again, uh, there are people joining and with people, I mean, also projects, right? This is the important thing about the, the Polkadot community as, um, again, Polkadot builds a new layer, um, uh, the new blockchain of blockchains where other blockchains can actually dog on. Yeah. So new parachains um, are built and other projects that leverage um, the underlying technology. So there are a lot of things happening. Yeah. A lot of great minds are involved in these projects. Again, first of all, in the in the core teams that uh, develop Polkadot, but also in the teams that actually um, create technologies that that Polkadot enables, yeah. So technologies on top of it, or um, that connect to existing protocols. So um, again, I said there are parachains built. We have bridges that are built. A lot of um, exciting projects going on. And what is um, super valuable to know that there are also um, programs, yeah, by um, from the Web3, from, for example, the, the grants from the Web3 Foundation that are given out to motivate people to build for the community as well as the Builders Program. Yeah, you also get specific instruction how to build and participate in the community. And um, you see also great yeah, advancement or change in the different waves that are supported by the Web3 grants. Yeah, In the beginning, of course, you, st you start with um, like the mobile wallet, uh, Polka wallet, and like basic but very, still very important technologies and, and tools to actually um, leverage Polkadot as well as um, like, um, yeah, uh, command line um, helpers and so on. And then you go more into maybe analytics tools or now um, specific bridges, yeah, Ethereum bridges, uh, uh, Moonbeam, also a very valuable project that's, that's happening or developed in the, in the ecosystem that actually helps you to um, yeah, connect smart contracts from Ethereum to um to polkadot and again so so many projects that that are happening that are being built and people really want to be part of it because they know we need polkadot in this new movement in web3 and um again polkadot brings also so many advantages with with it which is of course first of all the interoperability that it now provides these protocols and system protocols to communicate with each other yeah it has specific um security that parachains also can take advantage of, as well as a specific um, governance model, which is also a very interesting. A lot of these topics are very complex, as you said before, but just to give an overview, what's actually so impressive about the technology and why people really want to be part of it, I think this is um, this is the new movement. And um, that's what I've seen. It's really the movement and the 
the things that are created in the community, what's going on and specifically over the last year. Yeah, uh, we've seen like, yeah, a lot of maturity in some of these things coming out. I mean, I like ask you to do my job for me since I'm in ecosystem development here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like, so like what projects do you see that are like the most interested in, in Polkadot? Because I get asked this a lot of times. And it's like, well, you can do anything on it. You know, it's abstracts, parachains. You can just put whatever you want there. Uh, it's obviously very strong for governance. So it's like attractive to something like a DAO. But like a DAO should be a vehicle to actually do something, right? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, like what kind of, I guess, verticals or like what types of projects are you seeing in the U.S. community uh, that are getting the most involved or interested in Polkadot? Um, saying from the from the U.S. community, it's more, for me, the community is, is, is globally, right? So because it's it's a global, again, the technology can be accessed globally. So I don't really like to um, differentiate between U.S. community and other communities. However, of course, you have some projects that are maybe stronger in, in some areas, which I, I couldn't say that there's one favorite one for the U.S. community. Um, okay, to be the, the whole so, community. <laughs> I'll do my question. For the whole community. <laughs> yeah, it's also it's very a difficult question, as you say, because it really there are so many use cases in every every um, let's say in every vertical you go, you have um, all of these projects and yeah, applications. Maybe if it's an application that I develop, are very valuable and. Again, as we are in the beginning of the movement, we still build uh, the infrastructure for it or um, now also building on top of the existing infrastructure. Yeah, it's very I, I don't want to um, point on a specific project here, actually. But what I think is is something that's important currently are, are these bridges. Yeah, How do you combine Polkadot with other protocols that are out there? Because this is the combination and the movement, uh, the, the, the entry to the, to the next level currently, because we have seen, and that's why, right, as also Polkadot was developed to say, okay, we have so many blockchains out there, so many protocols, but what can they do if they cannot communicate with each other? So I think this is the first step now to combine them. And then, of course, go from there, all the other um, advantages that can, be, that can be built. Yeah, so in the community, like you've focused a lot on events, like you said, um, and, you, and you've hosted a lot of these fireside chats and like discussion panels with Yuta, the CEO. Uh, you have one with Alistair that's will be right after we record this, but before this episode actually comes out. So how did you kind of discover this passion for events and I guess like specifically hosting interviews and discussion panels? So the my passion for these events actually started with, with the technology club I explained before, right? On in, in business school, where I really figured, wow, I can make an impact with with education. And this was important for me to do to create something, specifically content for people that when they leave this event, they they have learned something and they can say, Yes, this is valuable for me and I'm super interested in this and I want to learn more. So this can be, first of all, this can be again in, in content or it can be hands-on, yeah, that you really learn how to do things. Um, this was the start for me to really find my passion in it. And then it was, again, also a natural flow with my work at CryptoWork, where I am uh, help enterprises to onboard our technology. And the technology is an API, an interface between that um, uh, connects to several blockchains. Yeah, also in blockchain interoperability we, um, we provide. I mainly had to explain why actually blockchain now is is the right way to go to provide data integrity yeah, for enterprises. So it was a natural flow that I started to explain about the technology um, to people that had maybe not too much contact with the technology beforehand. And um, then I combined both. I said, okay, I like to do these tech events. I like to educate about um, blockchain technology. Let's take it also broader and 
educate about the whole movement. What's Web3 actually? Yeah, and why is this so important? And to make people aware of what internet we are living in currently, yeah, which is actually mainly, when you think about it, controlled by a lot of big tech companies. And to also make, make them aware of that not social media platforms are the product, but we are actually the product and our data. And this was actually scary to me at one point when you realize this more and more. So I found uh, and find out more about this, what these companies also then do with your with your um, data. They said, okay, I want to educate about this and um, spread the word and yeah, start, start to do this on, on beginner's level to try to translate these technologies to people that haven't heard about it. So these fireside chats, as you mentioned, one um, with Jutta and you were also on one fireside chat, um, these, these are great events for the community and these are, they are online available, um, mainly hosted on our Polkadot crowdcast. So you can also look them up. Maybe we can um, share some links later on where you can review these. And um, yeah, it was a pleasure also to have uh, these experts on on these fireside chats. So Jutta, for example, CEO of Parity Technologies, has, of course, a different view as um, you as a research analyst. Yeah. So this is always important for me to, to ask different questions to these type of people with their backgrounds, but also engage in a conversation with them to then share, share the knowledge and educate about Polkadot specifically. What I always like to do is to involve the community. So um, I set up these online events for the community to um, also um, raise questions. Um, so in the end, we, yeah, we try to have some time where then people can ask questions to the speaker directly, which I try to moderate. And um, yeah, I think everyone is then always excited and um, hopefully leaves this event by learning something new and get excited for, for other events. Yeah, well, you're good at it. So I hope you keep uh, doing them. <laughs> yeah, going forward, like, yeah, the role of Web3 and why it's important. What do you see like as the role of Web3 or technology in general in society? Yeah, when you think about Web3 values, right, this is actually something I I really advocate. And this is, for example, um, the, the freedom of speech to actually explain what you have and have a secure publishing mechanism, right? The freedom of speech in the internet, that the user's um, control and own their data, what we said before. So um, again, uh, a lot of the big tech companies actually own your data and they can control what, what they do with it. And we become the product. I want that we use products and we have, yeah, we own our, our data again. And maybe also can securely store them, yeah, and share them. So um, sharing of data and the interoperability between systems is very important. How to make transactions verifiable. Also very important. And um, not only to say, okay, I trust this person and this party and um, this data is, is, is true because he says, no, I want to verify it. Yeah. And this is the, the saying that's out there. Trust is good, but truth is better or don't trust, but verify. Yeah. These, these type of slogans, this is something that definitely um, is part of the, of the Web3 movement. That's what I'm trying to explain and to bring out there because it is difficult to explain to a person when they trust someone to say, now I need to verify it. Yeah. It's actually to tell them, no, this person lies or it's not true. And um, it doesn't mean that you should not trust someone, but it just means that you, when you, you want to be sure yeah, that your data is correct or that the data from the other party is correct. And to get there, this is a very important part in the movement where we are in currently to create this awareness of people. And I think everyone um, of us, like uh, that is, Part of the Web3 movement, I mean, people that work on technologies like blockchain and decentralizing the web, they, they understand it. 
and that's why we work we work in this environment but people um that are not very familiar with the web3 and decentralizing of the internet um they need to understand why and that's where we are they are they are accepted that it's there but now we have to explain why it is important I want to ask about something you said at the very beginning, which was uh, freedom of speech on the internet. And I'm wondering kind of how you define and think about that, because censorship is historically thought of as uh, like state imposed. So like um, like a company can't censor you, but mm-hmm. the government can. But increasingly now, people think of censorship more as corporate censorship because some of these platforms are so ubiquitous. And so. I guess, how do you define censorship and freedom of speech on the internet? Um, so with freedom of speech, I mean more that I am allowed to publish what I want, but I also can, let's say, verify what I publish. Yeah, and this maybe goes also in the area of uh, fake news currently. I mean, there's so many fake news out there where you, where you cannot trust the internet or any platform you get the information from is this actually the, the, the correct information? So, of course, there's a freedom of speech, maybe too much freedom, but now we need to say, okay, how can we secure this freedom of speech? And with this, I mean, again, to, to verify the content that we put out there. And I, as a user, for example, I would um, love to have the ability, when I do my Twitter posts, it ends up directly in, in the blockchain and I have like a maybe a green lock on my post and says, yes, this is actually anchored and verified, yeah? Just as an example. So people that read my my uh, post um, can verify and say, okay, this was the was the content I created, yeah, and not that I put together from other um, from other sources or maybe cut out specific um, content. Yeah, so like just to be clear, because like some information is subjective, like if you're reporting on something that you claim happened, um, or maybe you actually saw something one way and somebody else saw another, mm-hmm. but you can actually prove that like, hey, this came from me, like this is not a message from somebody else. Like I actually produced this, and you can trust it or not based on your opinion of me. But you actually, you actually know that it came from me. Yeah, correct, correct. Because this is that it, where it came from, right? The source, and specifically in journalism. Um, I mean, this is not my expertise, but uh, in this area, I think there are a lot of cases where um, this the source is maybe manipulated, where where the content is coming from, or even the pictures are manipulated, um, and you as a user don't in the end know. Um, is this actually the original content or not? And this is something um, that will change with uh, with uh, the restructuring of, of the current web. Yeah, you probably know actually about this because you work in data verification, but I've heard of things like cameras being able to sign the images that they take so that you can prove they haven't been manipulated after the fact. Yeah, a very big use case. And this is something we at, at Crypto actually also focus on to how CL video data, yeah, streams of, of videos. Um, and in the big picture, I mean, or long term, this this is something that should be implemented in every camera yeah, or any, any device that um, they actually have a specific chip that directly seals data um, that comes in. And the example would be here, you have a camera and you um, film something and the whole video stream yeah, is maybe created in like 30 second pieces on each uh, chunk is uh, sealed. And with sealing, I mean like uh, taking a copy, a hash of this data point and write it into the blockchain. Um, so you have this chain of events and the whole video is actually sealed um, and again, recorded on the blockchain. If you then would manipulate a video, uh, specifically here in, in video surveillance, yeah, and cut out something, you would see that there's something missing and you cannot manipulate because, again, you have the whole chain, um, the whole record, of course, a copy. We speak here about hashes of data on the blockchain recorded. 
that Web3 is the future. And again, that's why I'm so passionate about it and interested in being part of it because it is the next big thing. And again, I think to answer the question, how we get there is really about uh, two things, right? It's about building, like uh, moving the technology forward and uh, building the community. So educating, I think these are the two important things, creating the awareness. So um, another value I um, wanted to mention was to actually how we create this, uh, this trustless infrastructure, right? And Web3 Foundation put out this technology stack ex actually explaining how can the Web3 look like, yeah? And what are different parts there? And now we are there to build these different parts of the infrastructure to redesign the, the web and learn actually from the web too, what um, can be improved. I don't want to say that things went wrong because it was what we knew by then. Yeah. And um, the web two had good intentions, um, but it just developed in a direction we want to, we want to change now. And that's what we are doing with the web, uh, web three. And again, blockchain technology is here the very important um, component to actually provide a decentralized infrastructure. So it is again for me, um, yeah, important to understand how the Web3 works, that it's really important for the users to understand why um, shouldn't we use applications that actually own our data and I want to um, have rights to use my data um, and maybe even have uh, onboard other communities, right? This is the beauty of, of the decentralized web that again, everyone can access it. Uh, technology doesn't have any borders, right? Technology doesn't have borders in age or in background or in country um, where you're from. So also with a decentralized web, it's again, more easier to onboard people. So this is, yeah, the path we are going actually on this. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it is tough for people to get involved in Web3 or blockchain now because there, there can be like a barrier to entry just in the unfamiliar user interfaces and just it's still very early technology but there are also a lot of advantages that make it possible to create very good onboarding and user experiences in the future uh, so I, I hope and think that we're going in that direction definitely joe i think this is this is so, such an important point because um it is still i mean you can see it from different uh, from different angles right um some people always say yeah we have to make it so easy that my grandpa a grandma can use, uh, let's say, can can trade crypto or anything. I see it's a bit different. I think um, crypto um, currencies, blockchain technology is a technology for millennials, yeah, because it's something new. So we come in with new thoughts, with new ideas, and we actually create it. Doesn't mean that no one else can be part of it, but it's more. I mean, you see that a lot of people, the millennials, actually participate and contribute to it. So I think it's important to create and design applications as well as the infrastructure um, as simple as possible, which will develop over time, but it's something new and it's complex. So I'm not sure if my grandma needs to use it in the end. Yeah, I'm not sure if my grandma currently actually uses um, email or the internet itself in general. So this is just something to consider that um, if they don't use it, if they don't use the current version, why should they then use the Web3? Um, however, Again, it is um, if new people come in now, they can give a different perspective, right? And this is maybe what you meant with, let's say, user interfaces where it's now focused on, okay, people, um, let's say, work with blockchain technologies since the last 10 years, like really early, um, early adapters that they have now a different eye on a user interface than, than 10 years ago. Yeah. And I know, like, I mean, you probably 
share the same thing as me, as someone who's lived internationally. I find blockchain much easier to use than like anything like a legacy bank or something. Um, I know, especially a lot of banks in the U.S. kind of make you go in in person to do something. And so, I mean, I've been like in Europe, and I I call the bank and say, "Hey, I need this." Now. Well, you have to come into a branch. I'm like, well, the closest one is seven thousand kilometers away from me, so I can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like much easier for me to use something on blockchain where I can just see how it works. I don't have to wait, uh, you know a week for them to respond to an email or like a service request. And I don't have to fly halfway around the world to go there. Correct. Correct. I mean, banks also adapting, right? They they um, offer online banking or some of these big banks even um, have their own blockchain research and development teams or they mine Bitcoin or different currencies. So they they also see they have to adjust. So this is, this is not new for them. But of course, um, it's let's say your competition currently. And we, again, we as millennials, we of course use something that's that's faster for us, right? For us, it's the pace and we have we want to move fast, so. Yeah, so with that, like what's next for you? What are you going to be working on in the future? For me, it's, um, again, the, the Polkadot Investor Program is uh, something I'm very passionate about. And for me really to, to expand this program and to onboard a lot of people um, as possible by, again, educating and, and organizing these kind of events. And um, maybe also at one point start to create a specific um, product, right? This is something, again, we see a lot in, in the growth of the community that people uh, work on products. And this is um, also uh, an area I'm very interested in, in product development. However, therefore, I think, yeah, I, I need more more inspirations and in what, what is there needed. Um, but for now, it's for me the, the path in continuing the, the fireside chats. Yeah, it's a monthly event series now for the community and um, being part um, or contributing as much as possible um, as an ambassador to the program. Um, yeah, if you're interested really in, in joining the, the program, Polkadot uh, Ambassador Program, we can also share a link here. I encourage everyone to to also look into the Polkadot uh, wiki where a lot of technical um, information is explained quite simply, as well as check out the Polkadot Crowdcast, yeah, where I've hosted several fireside chat events, um, the decoded event uh, conference that Joe mentioned in the beginning. Please join there. Also, um, impressive speakers and content will be available. So, yeah, if you get want to get involved, just just check out these these links. Yeah, we'll definitely put links to those <laughs> in the description. So thanks again, Zoe. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for listening to Relay Chain. We'd love to keep in touch. Follow us on Twitter at Relay Chain or email podcast at parody.io. Our team at Parity includes some of the leading peer-to-peer networking developers, consensus algorithm inventors, blockchain innovators, and Rust developers. If you want to learn more about our work or want to work with us, visit our website at parity.io and sign up for our newsletter at parity.io slash newsletter.